This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit NeatNeatNeatRecords.com for more information. Back with another edition here of the Music Vibes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and keeping up to date with this podcast. Got some fantastic stuff coming up for you guys, but this week I have a special edition. I've kind of discovered this new fantastic album that was a lost album, actually. You know, usually I'm not big on the unreleased material uh, from deceased musicians, you know, like the Jimi Hendrix I did last year, Both Sides of the Sky. You know, when guys are passed away and dead, I don't really like the record labels digging in to their catalog and stuff they've recorded that they never released. I usually don't like that because they kind of compile stuff that maybe that wasn't intended to be released. But for this week, I found one that was absolutely fantastic, an absolute diamond of an album. I mean, this album is absolutely fantastic, and I'm a huge fan of the artist, so maybe that helps. But I am talking about Marvin Gaye and his new album, You are the man. So I'm not going to go super into detail, but I will say anybody that's listening that doesn't know how Marvin Gaye passed away or when he passed away. April 1st of 1984, uh, Marvin Gaye was shot in his bedroom by his father, Marvin Gaye Sr., shot Marvin Gaye. Don't have to go too far into detail, but yes, April 1st, 1984, Marvin Gaye was killed indeed by his father. So he is no longer with us. But today we're celebrating his fantastic album, You Are the Man. You Are The Man was intended to be another socially conscious record like What's Going On, which preceded this record. So this record, You Are The Man, was supposed to be and scheduled to be released in 1972. And What's Going On was actually released that prior year in 1971. But following the release of its lead single, the title track, You Are the Man, Marvin Gaye canceled its release. So we never were actually able to get this album. This was uh, obviously part due to the reception of the song, as well as the fact that Marvin Gaye's political views were different to those of Motown founder Barry Gordy. So for those reasons, You Are the Man was long considered, in quotes, lost album now 15 of the 17 songs have not been previously released on vinyl but most were available on cd compilations over the years now the album does include a longer take of i want to come home for christmas which was made available back in 1990 after being recorded in 1972 so the physical release of the album included liner notes written by david ritz and david ritz is Marvin Gaye's biographer, who actually was interviewed recently by my man Jeff Slate, who is going to be joining us here. I got Jeff Slate, who came on my podcast last year when we dug into More Blood, More Tracks uh, by the Bob Dylan records. And Jeff Slate is a freelancer. He writes for Rock Seller Magazine, uh, Esquire, uh, multiple different websites. And he is one fantastic writer, but he's going to be joining us here. I preceded this album. So this is, again, a lost album from 1972, scheduled to be released after what's going on. But here in 2000, in 19 we have 
You are the man. We finally get it. So let's go ahead and dig into it a little bit. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Jeff Slate. This is Jeff Slate who is joining us here. And I'm really glad you could join me, man. I know last time it was a little bit of different genre, but uh, two legends. Last time we got Bob Dylan. This week we got Marvin Gaye. Thanks for joining. It's great to be here. It's it's always a pleasure to talk about an artist like Bob Dylan or Marvin Gaye. They're, you know, they're the peak of the mountain, so it's easy. Yeah, and I, I uh, you sent me your fantastic article, man. I know I was looking for someone to talk about this new Lost album, uh, the new Marvin Gaye album that just came out. I didn't see a whole lot about it. I mean, I've seen Motown tweet out a couple of times. I've seen a couple people share like a link or something, but it wasn't like an article. And then I, I hit you up, and I'm like, man, I really want to... I've been trying to find someone to talk about the Marvin Gaye album, and I thought I had seen you share something, but I wasn't completely sure. And so I asked you, I was like, hey, man, have you... Did did you write anything on the Marvin Gaye album? You're like, absolutely. And you send me the link and it's like, okay, you talked to Marvin Gaye's biographer, um, David, yeah. David Ritz. So let's go ahead and dig into this, man. So kind of give a little background on this lost album. You are the man. Well, you know, this it's a period of Marvin Gaye's career that is, like I said, sort of the peak of the mountain. He, he just released what's going on. It was a huge worldwide smash. It was also sort of a left turn for Motown because it was a very political record. He was dealing, you know, with themes about poverty and the Vietnam War mm. and race relations within the United States. So that was a really different and unique thing for Motown, who had been sort of a hit machine prior to that. Um, you know, and there were other artists doing that, Sly Stone and Curtis Mayfield and so forth. But Marvin had by far the biggest hit with with a very sort of political album. You know, and subsequent to this, he did the Trouble Man soundtrack, which was a hit, but, you know, now is seen as sort of this epic, kind of amazing record, rightly so. Mm -hmm. And then Let's Get It On came after that, which was the biggest album of his career. So in between that, the, the narrative has always been that he was a little bit lost and didn't know what to do with himself. And you know that's just Marvin's mo. He he was, you know he had he was sort of you know he had issues with depression. Mm -hmm. uh, he re struggled with that. He was a terribly insecure guy. Um, but as the biographer David Ritz told me in his interview, you know he said when when Marvin Gaye walked into the studio, he was that was where he shined. That was his church. That was where he was at his most creative. And that was where everything, all of his demons sort of fell away. So, you know, here we are in 1972. He's got this huge smash hit with what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he's a little bit crippled inside about what to do next. So he just starts going into the studio. And he's cutting tracks, cutting tracks, cutting tracks. And he releases You're the Man as a single. And the, you know, critic of the reviews of it were phenomenal. Motown was really happy, but it, and it, it charted, and it did really well, but it didn't sort of reach the heights that everybody expected. But, so even though the You're the Man album got postponed, Marvin Gaye was still in the studio. So he was in the studio in Detroit, he was in the studio in Los Angeles, Motown at the time was moving to, to Los Angeles. Right. He was a little bit ambivalent about that move. He, you know, he was uh, always, there was a tug of war with Barry Gordy, who ran the label. Mm -hmm. uh, all his artists had, you know, love-hate relationships with Barry <laughs> Gordy. Uh, you know, we can go, that's a whole other episode. Right. But, um, <laughs> uh, but he was in the studio 
creating at a really furious clip. Now, a lot of those tracks have trickled out over the years on various compilations and so forth, but this is the first time that they were put together in sort of a thematic way that would have maybe been the follow-up album to What's Going On that would have sat nicely in between What's Going On and Trouble Man and, and Let's Get It On. So, you know, I, I, I credit David, who really, who really knows the stuff, um, but it was also, you know, the, his, his label, um, who have taken really great care. There's an A&R uh, reissue producer there, uh, Harry Weinger, and, and as, as David Ritz told me, he really knows and has made it his mission to understand Marvin Gaye as an artist so that this isn't just a bunch of art outtakes thrown together. It feels like an album with a theme that's as relevant in 2019 as it would have been in, two, in, in 1972. Absolutely, yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to ask you this, too. You know, usually, I'm going to be honest with you, I do not like like unreleased material by deceased yeah. artists because you never, I mean, we don't know if they ever wanted to release it. We don't know the reasons why they didn't release it. Maybe it's not good, you know, things like that. Uh, like, for example, I did the Jimi Hendrix Both Sides of the Sky last year review. And it was, I mean, it was pretty good, but I was still on the fence where I was like, I don't know if I, it, it was just another example of why I don't like this. But this is the first one in a long time. I can't even think of the last one, honestly, off the top of my head. But this was one that I really enjoyed. I'm like, man, I wish this was <laughs> like, where where, yeah. has, where has this been? Um, So wh- well, where, do, where do you stand with that? Funny. It, it's funny. I feel exactly the same way. I have a light, love-hate relationship with reissues <laughs> or with posthumous albums yeah. because, you know, they're they're very rarely what the artist intended. But occasionally... There is a gem, and this is a gem. I mean, I after you and I corresponded, there were a, a lot. I saw a lot of articles about this record because once it, you know, trickled out to reviewers and hit the street, people were like you and me, sort of amazed at at the high level of quality. I, I think it's a couple of things. You know, I mean, first of all, you know, Marvin was a hugely spiritual artist, but he was also, especially at this time, a tremendously political artist. Mm-hmm. You know, his his brother Frankie had been at Viet, in Vietnam. The the country was sort of, you know, in the midst of re-electing uh, Richard Nixon. Yeah. Watergate was sort of percolating out there. It wasn't really a story yet. But people, you know, certainly on the left and progressives, as Marvin was, um, really felt that, uh, you know, Nixon was a bad guy. If they didn't know it, they didn't have the evidence yet. They sort of felt it in their souls. Um, you know, but, but also, you know, at this point in, in Marvin Gaye's career, he was really on fire. He, there wasn't almost, I mean, there's a Christmas song on there that's as good as any Marvin Gaye song <laughs> you and I have ever heard. So, like, if you can make a Christmas song that that's great, that's as great as that, you're you're doing pretty well. I, the other thing is, some of the mixes are contemporaneous that 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 Marvin made at the time, mm-hmm. and and some of them are um, were made more recently by Salam Remy, who's you know he's worked with Nas and the Fugees and and Amy Winehouse. I think this is my last chance. My last chance. My last chance. 
the remixes he did, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a sort of producer remixer du jour. This is a guy who understands that kind of music, that style, and and mixing in a way that's sympathetic to the technology and the way people were making records in 1972, but also with the 2019 sensibility. So while it while his mixes fit really nicely into, you know, with Marvin's mixes, the, the older mixes, they also feel fresh. And so, you know, when you have a, a fresh sound and themes that feel kind of as, as contemporary yeah. in 2019, I mean, our country is, is just as rife with drama as it was in 1972, maybe more so. Right. Uh, certainly political and race relations and all those things that were so important to Marvin Gaye, I think it, it, it feels different than your average posthumous release. It feels like he's talking about something that's happening right now. Uh, so that, you know, that makes it a little bit special. And look, it's Marvin Gaye. I mean, you know, that guy, <laughs> there's very few things, even in the you know, there were some box sets in the in the eighties and nineties or nineties that were, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, but but the 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 outtakes, those songs that um that, you know, weren't out during his lifetime still felt as great as anything that he released when he was alive. This is a guy who almost could do no wrong in the early seventies creatively. So whatever was going on in his personal life you know, this this guy was a master in a way that a lot of artists who get posthumous releases were, you know, these were like their outtakes and so forth. Yeah. There's no out, there's no like bad tracks when no. you're talking about Marvin Gaye. Yeah, absolutely not. And across this, you are the man. Now, let's kind of dig into this album now because I, there's a sure. few songs I wanted to talk about, but let's start with uh, some of the songwriters and producers um, that he worked with. I know Willie Hutch was one who I think wrote I'll Be There. Right by the Jackson Five. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Willie was a, a producer, a songwriter, and just kind of a guy who had his finger on the pulse of the times with regard to to hit songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really knew how to craft a hit song. So I think you know, Marvin was a great collaborator. Whether it was producing the musicians in the studio. In you know, certainly you can look at what's going on, where he was leading a, a group of musicians trying to get that kind of wall of sound like Phil Spector or whatever. This is a, a new approach to, to soul music, certainly. Um, you know, he but he wanted to put a little shine on it mm-hmm. and have it be music that could get played on AM radio. And so Willie really Hutch uh, definitely was a guy who could help him help him achieve that. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's 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 dig into a couple of the tracks that I know you highlighted as well in your article. But I also wanted to ask you about to kind of dig into the the meaning behind it, um, some of the lyrics in it. And let's start off. And you mentioned this. The world is rated X, where he kind of touches on the Vietnam War and other things. Let's kind of dig into that track. The world is rated X. Well, uh, you know, Marvin's brother, Frankie, came back from Vietnam mm-hmm. pretty shattered drug addicted, you know, really struggling with what we now know as PTSD, as as a lot of guys, especially in the inner cities, did. I mean, you know, it was it was not a it was a white man's war fought by the black man over there in Vietnam. And I think a lot of people didn't really realize that in a um, in a personal sense until their brothers started coming home 
alive or dead, frankly. Um, and and you just sort of looked at at the numbers of people, and they were coming back to the inner cities. Um, so Frankie came back in pretty rough shape, and I think that was something that, you know, it was almost as though it was almost as though it was a sequel to what's going on in a way. Mm-hmm. It was it was a sadder song and an angrier song, um, but it it's you know, no less powerful. It might be a little bit less of a pop song than what's going on was, but it's still a beautiful, a beautiful track. Yeah. And you mentioned the perfect segue. You mentioned it kind of being a sequel to what's going on. Another one, I felt like that was kind of a sequel, but to Mercy, Mercy Me more so. And that that is my personal favorite song on this new You're the Man. And that is Where Are We Going? Day by day. What did you think of that one? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't thought of that. I think that's that's a really good uh, good way of looking at it. And look, you know, now that you say that, I'm kind of thinking about how some of these tracks did have a, a, a connection to previous tracks. And if you're Marvin Gaye at that time and you're struggling with what to do next mm-hmm. and you're not a guy who wants to repeat yourself, mm-hmm. Um, this is actually a good conversation. I hadn't thought about this. But maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't want something uh-huh. that was so close to what he'd done previously. Now, I think in in hindsight, we can hear them as separate piece, pieces, mm-hmm. and the songs on "You're the Man" like that are a little angrier and a little more pointed and more direct in a um, you know um, there was a lot of love on uh, on what's going on, the yeah. album, yeah. and there's a lot of anger on You're the Man. It's not like outright preachy anger, as, as some of the artists at the time were doing, but this is a more, um, hey, everybody, pay attention to what's going on in the world around you. People are, are struggling, you're struggling, we've got to get in this fight together. Um, so while he may have felt at the time... Uh, I'm just thinking about this right now because you brought it up, and it's a good one. You know, I mean, he may have felt at the time that he was repeating himself, right. but I, in thinking about the lyrics and thinking about this song, it really is sort of the natural next step to mercy, mercy me. You're right. I think that's a, that's a good uh, a good observation. Yeah, because well I was, I was like, thank you. I was I was listening to it. I'm like, man, this is like extended you know what i mean it is and that was it it was and honestly honestly speaking um when i was listening to this record um all the way through um when it got you know obviously i loved opening track to part one and two you were the man um and then goes to the world is rated x piece of clay which is kind of a love song um going goes into that one and then where are we going comes on and i'm like oh my I mean, yeah. this is, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, like we said, this record is fantastic, but where are we going for me anyway was, I mean, that ranks at the top 
of his records. I really loved that one and it extended uh, Mercy Mercy Me. So let's uh let, let's let's keep going here. So another one I wanted to ask about. So you you touched a little bit on some of the LP mixes um from Remy. Um kind of kind of going a little bit of a couple of the ones on here that you enjoyed. I liked uh Symphony was one I really liked. Um just kind of go a little bit into some of those. Well, look, I mean, these are these are songs that it's it's almost hard to believe they were left on the cutting room floor, that they were just sat in a vault vault for all this time. By the same token, you know, um, they needed to be mixed by somebody who understood how Mm. Marvin made records. Um, You know, if you'd just thrown in, you know, I'm not going to name any names and, you know, (laughs) point fingers at anybody, but there are plenty of producers out there who would have made it sound either totally retro or totally modern. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, his mixes, his Symphony is a really good one mm-hmm. because it really strikes the balance between sort of 2019 and 1972. And I, I think that's a really hard thing to achieve. I, I, I don't think we maybe give enough credit to people who are able to do that. But I think, you know, too, these are, look, we talked a lot about, about we have so far talked about how how timely they are and how political they are and so forth. But, you know, Marvin Gaye's songs always, even if they were political songs, were love songs. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that was what he was best at. And that was the emotion that his voice, whether they were songs about relationships, you know, with women in his life or just observations on, you know, love in general, or they were political songs, he had a way of conveying them as, you know, we're all brothers and sisters, and let's talk about the condition of love, in, you know, the state of love in our lives today. And I think, you know, a song like Symphony is one of those, because it's, you know, it's, it's special and it's beautiful, but, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mix is great, but the outstanding thing, and, and, and again, you know, the players he used, like a lot of them were the same players from from what's going on and who would go on to do Troubled Man and, and Let's Get It On. These are guys who knew how to play the way Marvin wanted them to. But you can take all that away. You could put anything behind Marvin Gaye, and it's still going to be Marvin Gaye. So, um, you know, a lot of it is down to his voice. I mean, he's he's probably the the... You know, great. It's I, there are a lot of soul singers that I grew up loving, but mm. Marvin Gaye was was certainly the top of the mountain. This is that's a good example of it. Yeah, and you definitely it came across as well in your article that is up at Rockseller Magazine. Which, if you guys are listening to this, just scroll on down in the description. You guys can read his uh, fantastic kind of going inside the lost album. Uh, you are the man, and you talked to, again. We mentioned that you talked to biographer David Ritz. What else did you guys talk about? Well, he, you know, David came to know Marvin around the time of uh, sexual healing, when he was lost and living over in Europe and struggling with addiction and depression. And he was, you know, trying to make a comeback. And, um, you know, they sat for many, many, many interviews, which, and became friends in the process. And David con- actually ended up contributing um to the um, uh, to the albums around that period, but but I think first and foremost, because they had a fairly intimate relationship, Marvin was as 
unguarded with David Ritz as he was with anybody else. So I think the thing that that whenever you um, ask David about Marvin Gaye, he remembers his struggles, but how, you know, once he was in the studio, the thing he kept going back to over and over and over were whatever we know as Marvin Gaye's demons, he was first and foremost a creative artist. Mm -hmm. And however much we know he struggled to make the music he made, the music he did end up making and putting out there, and even these tracks that didn't mostly get out here till now, were as gorgeous as anything anyone has ever created. So this is a guy who, whatever his inner turmoil was, he used that to create. And and I think that's the thing he kept coming back to. Every question I, I put to him mm-hmm. um, became a little bit remembering, you know, well, let's not dwell on his struggles. Mm-hmm. Let's dwell on what a remarkably creative person he was. And I, I think that, that was my that was my takeaway. We would be I don't really like to use the word anniversary with stuff like this, but we would be thirty five years removed uh from his tragic death and would would have been celebrating his eightieth birthday uh just a couple yeah. of, just a couple of weeks ago, remembering Marvin Gaye today and talking about the lost album, You Are the Man. So if someone's going in and for some reason hasn't listened to this, because I imagine um because there's a lot of old timers that listen to this that may not even they're listening to this right now, like, whoa, I didn't know that this was out. Yeah. So what would you tell those people, um, you know, other than what we've talked about, what else would you tell them to expect from this lost album, You Are the Man? Well, look, I mean, it's it, it, we touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. I think, um, huh, you know, posthumous releases can be a hodgepodge, a grab bag Absolutely. of just kind of, you know, mostly mediocre tracks. And I think the biggest thing that I could put across from this is this is n- not that at all. You're the man... As I put in the article, it, it sits comfortably. If you put it in your on your rack, whether it's a CD or a, or iTunes or you know in, in uh, you know it's vinyl, yeah. I put it right in between um, uh, what's going on and Trouble Man and Let's Get It On. And and if you sat down for an evening wanting to listen to some Marvin Gaye and put on those four albums consecutively, I think you would find they feel of a piece. They feel like there's a natural progression from one album to the next to the next. And and I think that that's a real testament to the quality of his work. And so I think it's not something that, you know, like you said, sort of the old timers, which you and I, by the way, are, are due of. Um, I, I think they would, I, I think they should give it a chance because it's not like your usual posthumous release. It is an album in its own right and worth a listen. I, you know, not every track is what's going on or Mercy, Mercy, Mercy Me, right, but right. not every track on, you know, any of Marvin's albums were as great as that. But if you listen to the whole thing, you know, from beginning to end, I think you get something from that experience about where Marvin Gaye was at in 1972 what he was struggling with as a person living in a highly political, highly racist world, um, 
that is relevant, Mm -hmm. just as relevant in 2019. Well, very well said. Jeff Slate joining us here. Um, and before I let you go, I wanted to catch up a little bit. I've seen, man, you have a, like a new article, new interview every day. I know you're still doing the music. I can't keep up, man. So you got the floor to kind of give me a little update on what you have going on personally. A lot. <laughs> I just uh, I just did a piece for the Wall Street Journal with Peter Frampton and Jimmy Page and David Gilmore about their guitars. Ah. Um, yep. Uh, I did uh, an interview with Joan Jett for the Daily Beast. Seems. I interviewed Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips for the Daily Beast. I've got an article coming out in the New Yorker shortly with David Crosby and Cameron Crowe about the documentary they just did about David Crosby's career. Mm -hmm. Um, And next month in May, I'm going out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to interview Roger McGuinn on stage at the first annual Bob Dylan conference, Ah. Bob Dylan Center there, you know, Tulsa University. Um, So there's, you know, there's a lot going on. I've got, you know, my band, and I work with Earl Slick, and I Mm -hmm. got a great band of guys here. We play around, uh, you know, mostly the New York City area. But we get out there uh, periodically and, and uh, you know, hopefully get out to the West Coast and get out to Europe and so forth. So there's a lot, uh, a lot cooking. But, but you know, I, I love writing. I love interviewing these people. I love digging into, um, you know, a, a, a piece like this about mm-hmm. an artist I grew up with really, truly loving um, you know, just collected every 45 and every piece of vinyl and everything I could get my hands on. Um, I, I will add one thing. You know, I don't want to turn. Uh, you, you said the old timer. I don't want to turn them off by thinking it's a it's a this album though is a flag waving album. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just a, a plea for racial harmony no. or war protest or. It, while it is all those things, mm-hmm. there's a lot of love in yes. this album. If you just want to listen to it, you know, you were, you were talking about Remy, uh, you know, I'd give, you, I'd give my life for you as a great example yeah. of, it's just a great love song. Yep. So if you just want to listen to it on that level, just put it on and hear beautiful music and not have to dig into that. You just want to put it on a Friday night and chill out. Uh, or a Sunday morning and chill out. Marvin Gaye is is great for that, and this is a good addition to that. So, I, you know, I'm happy to plug myself, <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that it's it's worth talking, uh, giving one last shout out to the record as something that people, um, you know, should experience on whatever level they want to experience it on. Yeah, you mentioned enjoy it on a Sunday. That's it. Just so happens that was the day I kicked back and uh, yeah. listen to this, and uh, I did it on vinyl. Um, so that, yep, that was my, yep. uh, that was my way of checking it. That's my, that's my new way of listening to music, man. I know, um, this is my first vinyl player. I just got this past Christmas. Um, so I've been going vinyl crazy. Uh, I've been in the record store like every week and thanks to guys like neat, neat, neat records, the sponsor of the show, I have great access to a lot of those. So that's, that's my new way of listening to music. I try to get away. I try my best anyway to get away from the streaming, but it's, it's hard at times cause it's still so easy. It's right at your fingertips, right on your phone. So I'm, I'm trying to, well, in that, in that respect, in that respect, I'll give a shout out to a, about a year ago. Because I do the best of list for the end of the year mm-hmm. um, for Esquire and and for SiriusXM, and and one of the best box sets, I guess it was probably a couple of Father's Day days ago, maybe it was last year. Mm-hmm. They did the second volume of of Marvin Gaye's albums, and it was the what's going on. It you know it sort of covered his seventies output. So. Uh, you know, if you want to get a great box set, a one-stop shop yeah. for everything he was doing around this time, that would be really great. 
Great recommend there. Jeff Slate joining us here once again on this podcast today. We dug inside of the new Lost album, You Are the Man by Marvin Gaye, which was a Lost album from 1972 when he was at his peak of creation in the music world. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. I have to do it again, man. Absolutely great stuff. Always, always happy to do it. It was it was a pleasure. I appreciate it, man. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.